Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 318 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with John McDonald. John lives in Austin, Texas, and you might remember his name because he is a repeat guest. He was on episode 92, which seems like forever ago. Did we record that in early 2020, John? Is that when that was, like January of 2020 or something like that? Probably because it was before everything just went insane. Yep. Yeah, I can remember where I was sitting when I talked to you. Like, that's how I remember what year I talked to somebody. Was I sitting at my house on Lake Forest Drive or was I sitting in my little studio in Dresden Way? And (laughs) I was talking to you from Dresden Way. Like summer of 2019 comes to mind. Maybe that's when it was. We moved in the summer. So it might have been the fall of 2019 because I can remember I was talking to you from the house after we had moved. Okay. 
Yeah, I don't know why. That just sticks in my head. I can remember the episodes I had to record from the kitchen when I was in the middle of recording my audiobook in my little kitchen station. But you were when I was recording in my my new studio. It just stands out. So, But now I am not in that studio anymore. So I know that I've already asked you this question, but some listeners may be starting with this episode and they haven't heard your other one. And even the ones who have heard your other one, it's been a while. So I always start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? So maybe give just the basic story of what brought you to intermittent fasting back in the day. Okay. Well, it was court ordered. I was going to have to go to prison. (laughs) Or begin fasting. <laughs> uh, did y'all forget that John was a comedian on cruise ships? He was, a, I know you were a comedian lots of places, not just on cruise ships. But when we recorded the first time, you were still a working cruise ship comedian. Yeah. And when I came to you folks, it was having heard about intermittent fasting and then going on to Facebook. I'm not on any social media anymore, but when I was, there were a couple different groups, and there was one group of mean people, and <laughs> yeah. then there was your group. <laughs> and so I settled on your group, and everybody was really accommodating and wonderful, and it became really easy to do with the encouragement, the ability when working on ships to not have to worry about cooking, cleaning, choosing. You just take a walk around, and you go, okay, I'll have some of that, some of that, some of that, done. And then the podcasts were great because on sea days or if we went to a port that I'd been to 10,000 times before, I could kick back and listen to podcasts. And it was absolutely wonderful. So, yeah, you know, that's a a little known secret. If you've been to a port a bunch of times, there's no better day to be on the ship than a port day. Like, I don't even get off at Nassau anymore. Well, I mean, maybe, but most of the time I'm like, I'm just going to explore the ship and be on the ship and it's cleared out. It's like having your own cruise ship. It's great. It is. I wanted to say, I just remembered when you mentioned coming into our Facebook group, I will never forget your first post. (laughs) It stands (laughs) out too. And look, we had hundreds (laughs) hundreds of thousands of people in the groups. And I remember John's first post. I think you posted like a picture of yourself. Here's my before and after I started an hour ago or something. Yeah, exactly. From 20 (laughs) seconds ago, something like that. (laughs) It made me laugh. I remember that. Anyway, teachers remember those funny students, right? Exactly. So you found out about it and you just jumped right in and you found that it worked really well with the cruise life. And then the world shut down. Yeah, then the world shut down and I was out of a job after being a comedian for 40 years. There was literally no place to work because cruises weren't happening. Clubs weren't happening. Theaters weren't happening. Opening acts were not happening. So there was no place to work. And at the beginning, I'm like, all right, well, we'll, we'll see how this goes. And then as it got further and further in, it was pretty clear that it wasn't necessarily ever going to happen again because you start thinking about the difficulties that they would have to undertake in order to have crews from multiple countries, passengers, entertainers coming in at various ports and things. And it was insane. And I have never been back. I was on my way to do six weeks on Norwegian when as I was walking through the airport, I heard on the news that Norwegian had shut down operations. And that was it. And I have not been in an airport since. That was March 13th, 2020. The last time I was on a plane was February 20th or 22nd. I flew home from Vietnam and that was it. It was over. 
what had happened in the interim was I have had some fairly significant health issues. I know you and I talked about it briefly. So just to let folks know that are listening, I may have some difficulty speaking or being able to get my point across. My memory is shot and we're not entirely sure what the problem is. I have had many, many tests and doctor appointments. There was a CAT scan and an EEG and an MRI and a bunch of other stuff. And we've crossed off all the bad stuff. So there's That's no good. I'm glad. injury to my brain. There's no fluid. There's no lesions. There's no damage. I did not have a stroke. There's no aphasia or dementia or Alzheimer's, but they don't know why I'm unable to formulate cognitive thought at times. It's as if I don't know any words. I don't know any other way to describe it. I'll be speaking and then I'll just stop. And it's like backed up in my head and I can see it and I can read it, which is why they knew it wasn't aphasia because it said aphasia patients can't see what it is they want to say. So like I would say, hey, Jen, you remember that time you and I met and we went to the, um, uh, and I could see the restaurant. I can see the name of the restaurant on the sign. I can read it in my head, but I can't get it to come out my mouth. It's very bizarre. They have no idea what has caused that. They don't know. And they, they said, do you want to go to a neuropsychologist to have more tests? And I said, actually, no, because we've gone into another year and I'd met all my deductibles last year and had a ton of tests done. And I just don't have the money anymore to do it. And the four and a half hours of material that I did regularly on ships, I don't remember. Wow. I can't even imagine. Oh, my gosh. That's awful. I have an idea of what the subject matter was and some of the jokes, but I have no idea how it goes, what order it's in, or how to present it. So I'm essentially retired, whether I like it or not. I still do voice work, and I'll audition for you know, small acting roles and things like that, but it's kind of over. I will say I was really excited when... You used to be a moderator in our Facebook groups, and so we would always chat all together, and we were chatting something about Dexter. I was watching Dexter, and you were like, I was in an episode of Dexter. I'm like, what? So Chad and I were watching it, and I'm like, we got to look for John. we got to look for John, and I saw you in the episode of, of Dexter. I told you that back in the day, but I just thought that was fun. They were like the warehouses or something. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I was an actor for years and years and did TV shows and movies, sitcoms and dramas and commercials and voiceover work for amusement parks and museums and voiceover work on video games, uh, all kinds of stuff. So there's a, a really great career there that has kind of wound down. Yeah. And we've probably all seen you and just didn't know it. Probably everybody listening. Yeah. And I've seen you in something. the way my brain works now, I've seen me and I don't even know it. So oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Well, let's think about your story in two parts. You know, you really have the pre-pandemic part of your intermittent fasting story and then the, well, three parts, really, then the pandemic part and then the now part. So before the pandemic, you were seeing weight loss. You were having success. Tell us about that a little bit. That was really great because, like I said, it was pretty easy on the ship. And it was nice to be able to contribute to the Facebook group and tell people who were kind of stressed about going on a ship how they were going to do it. 
And I ended up working with a magician, and she and I became good friends. She was an intermittent faster, so we just set our window for the same time. During the day, we're drinking water, Perrier or whatever we want, you know, uh, iced tea, black coffee, chilling out. And when it was time to eat, we hang the feed bag up at the buffet and just had a great time for ourselves. And I was just losing weight like crazy. It was wonderful. I was helping other people. When the newest book came out, Fast Feast Repeat, I gave that to people as gifts. I continue to do that and tell people about it. And as I had said in my review of it, it's the most comprehensive, well-written book on intermittent fasting that I've ever read because I began to read about intermittent fasting before I knew you and knew the books that you had written. So people find it really easy to follow, and that was great. So we leap ahead to being home, and things are fine, and then I'm starting to have issues with my brain. And I don't know if I'm just exhausted from world travel and I'm finally sitting still for a period of time and it's catching up to me. So I'm trying to sleep. I'm trying to do whatever I need to do. And it's getting worse. And it got to the point where there was severe depression. There was anxiety. There were horrible issues with short-term memory. For instance, I did not know on a daily basis if I had showered or brushed my teeth or had even eaten. And so there were days when I didn't eat at all because I didn't have any hunger signals. I didn't have any satiety signals. I didn't have anything. And if I thought about it, the situation my brain was in, I just figured I had done it. So it's like, okay, well, I ate. I'm good. And then there were days where I ate all day because, again, no signals either way. And I didn't remember that I had eaten. And sometimes I would feel full and go, I don't remember eating. I must have. So I would go to the sink and kind of do a little archaeological dig. Okay, there's a bowl, there's a saucepan. I probably had soup. All right, so I did eat. But then there were other times when I just couldn't deal and I started to eat prepackaged stuff because it was just easiest. I could not even get myself to make soup. I couldn't do anything. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. 
If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Do you think a lot of this was depression related as well? A lot of it is probably related to that. They're thinking that part of the memory issue was a frontal lobe disconnect because of the anxiety and the depression. Okay. All of it exacerbated by the stress of not having a job anymore and wondering how I was going to survive. So there are theories about that. Long story short, I ended up about 308 pounds. Okay. Which is larger than I have ever been in my life. So before intermittent fasting, the first time, how much did you weigh around then? I think the highest I had ever gotten was about 288. Okay. And then with intermittent fasting, you got down to? Well, as I had said in the group, I, you know, for the sake of figuring things out, I weighed for a while and then I stopped doing it because I I don't care for the numbers. So what I remember from that point is I was probably down... Oh, 50-something pounds. Okay, down about 50 pounds. And then with this memory problem, not knowing when you've eaten, fasting's out the window. You're just trying to survive at this point. Yeah, and the sleep was off. And so I'd be waking up in the middle of the night or I'd be sleeping, you know, and I didn't have a job and I was trying to find a job. And good luck finding a job because you don't get to talk to anyone anymore. It's all online and you can't explain to anyone Well, I wasn't in prison. I was in the entertainment industry for 40 years, which is why there is no resume and they don't care and they won't even talk to you. And so I couldn't even get a job at a grocery store. Oh, my gosh. And it was a weird time as well because they really had, you know, reduction in force just in general because of the pandemic. So that all got kind of crazy. And then I was on the Internet surfing around. And I came across this Dr. Sten Ekberg, S-T-E-N-E-K-B-E-R-G. And he is in Cummings, Georgia. And he's an intermittent faster. And his information was really great about stuff because not unlike yourself, he is well-versed, well-researched, and he goes deep into the research. So I'm watching his stuff and I'm down the rabbit hole on that. And then he said, you know, there's ways to reduce stress and talking about sleep hygiene and talking about things that you should do to help yourself health-wise. He mentioned something called the Sedona method, which is releasing feelings and emotions and just sending them on their way. And so I Googled that and I started checking that out and I bought some of those books and I read that and I was releasing stuff. And then there was... uh, therapy to be had because once you're releasing things, you're like, okay, I do need to address this. And luckily for me, my first cousin works in the mental health field. Now, he can't treat me medication-wise, 
with anything because we're first cousins. But from a standpoint of talk therapy, that's perfectly fine. And it was kind of a relief because he's a month older than I am. We grew up on the block next to each other and walked to kindergarten together. So he has a pretty good idea of what my life and family is like because it's essentially his life and his family. So there isn't that whole explaining to a therapist the dynamics of the family unit, the communications, the difficulties, the triangulation of nonsense, et cetera, et cetera. So between therapy that he suggested that I do and the talk therapy with him, continue to reading, doing the Sedona method, reading other things, again, on the internet, finding an, an Indian mystic named Sadhguru, looking at some of his videos, reading some of his books and all the different things, just doing everything I could to help myself move in the right direction. And as you have said before, and a lot of us have said in podcasts and in the groups, once you get into intermittent fasting, your tastes change. You tend to eat a little bit better because that's just kind of the natural progression of it. So I had realized after all of the things I was doing to improve that certain things do not work for me. Processed food does not work for me. Wheat doesn't work for me. Sugar doesn't work for me. And I'm not saying that everyone should do anything. I'm saying that when you find the things that work for you, embrace them. That's so true. You know, because now it's so much easier. And once I released a lot of the feelings around everything in my life, it's not just about food and about eating and about my body. It was about my relationships with women, with my family, with all sorts of things. So I I do recommend people looking into some of these things to release it because once you release it, it's gone. So the Sedona method, if you had to like in an elevator, tell someone the elevator pitch for what is the Sedona method? Like, what is the premise of it? Okay, the premise is this. We are tied into stuff by either attraction or aversion of something. So we have attraction to, say, undesirable behavior, because there really isn't any good or bad. Okay. Everything is just what it is. And what's happening right now is the only thing that's happening, because the past is already gone and the future is not here. So even 10 minutes ago is gone. That's the past. So I guess as an exercise, if you want to do this and anyone listening wants to do this, the essential release technique is this. Think of an emotion regarding a situation, whether it's anger or anxiety or whatever. So if you're thinking of something, Jen, would it be okay to let in the emotion you're feeling about that certain subject? Let it in, know that it's safe, feel that feeling, and just let it in a little bit more, and let it in a little bit more, and let it in a little bit more. And in regards to that feeling or that emotion about the subject that you're dealing with, could you, just for right now, let it go? (sighs) Right. It's either yes or no, and either one is the correct answer. After that, would you let it go? So those are two different questions. That's true. Could you and would you? Those, oh, yeah. Because the answer really, no, I can't. I can't let it go. But would you let it go? Well, no, I don't want to. I could, but I don't want to. That could be the answer. Right. And if you would let it go, when? Now. And then you let it go. 
And you can aid that with a visualization of, say, a tube or a pipe in your solar plexus, and it's just blasting out, whether it's smoke or fire or water or pressure or air or anything. It's just going out. As you're letting it out, out it goes, out it goes, out it goes, out it goes until it's gone, and you feel that relief. So if you were, in fact, thinking of something that gives you difficulty, don't you feel a little bit relieved at this moment? Your shoulders kind of drop away from your ears, and you sort of feel a release or a, a tingling sometimes. A lot of people say a bunch of different things about what they feel when they go through this process, and that is the basis of what this is. Wow. So that sounds like a powerful technique. So that's the Sedona method. I wrote it down on a little sticky note. And so I'm going to, when we are finished, I'm going to download it to my Kindle. And it has to do with wanting control or safety. It has to do with wanting to be loved. It has to do with four essential things, which you'll see in the book. But I mean, once you realize that, and once you take responsibility for everything that's happened in your life, you are free. And that was amazing to me because everything that's happened in my life, I did that. Whether it was pleasant or unpleasant, as soon as I took responsibility for that, I felt amazing about it because I am not a victim of anything or anyone. And one thing I want to impart to people is you are perfect, period. Because we are not imperfect beings attempting to become perfect. We're already perfect, and along the way, from childhood till now, through friends, family, authority figures, society, trends, media, social media, we've picked up all of this nonsense, and we don't know where to go. And our perfection has been clouded by all of this. Yeah, and we forget that our bodies are always just doing the best they can do. And they're all just responding to what input, what we've put in, what we've put out, what we've, we're doing, but all the time trying to keep us safe and trying to keep us healthy and blaming ourselves for so many things. And we all have an innate inner intelligence and inner healing that always, always works. And so when you release yourself from all of the negativity you've heaped upon yourself. The things we do to ourselves are horrible. Enemies wouldn't treat us worse than we treat ourselves. You're 100% right. In the community, we'll have someone make a post, and it could be like every day somebody's making a post like this where they are so down on themselves and beating themselves up for perceived failures. And Usually someone comes along and mentions, you know, would you talk to your best friend this way, someone that you love? Or would you talk to a child or a baby this way? Exactly. And the answer is no, you would not. If your friend were going through that, you would be encouraging. You would tell them. But but we don't tell ourselves those things. You know, we hold ourselves to different standards than everybody else. And we're really good at encouraging others, but not so good at encouraging ourselves. So the key really is to learn to encourage yourself. Look at it with curiosity. Say, okay, that happened. What did happen? Why did that happen? Hmm. Instead of judging yourself. And sometimes there doesn't even need to be an answer because since nothing is good or bad, you can get to a place where you understand that things are perfect 
and everything is the way that it should be. And here's another thing I want people to know. There is literally no such thing as failure. There only is what is happening. And if you're not entirely thrilled with it, you can make a different choice. But also, anything that comes up that is not your favorite is an opportunity to understand what's going on and an opportunity to make a different choice and make that change and go from there without causing yourself the distress of beating yourself up or saying, what a piece of crap I am. I can't believe I'm X number of years old or I've been fasting for this amount of time or I've, you know, you put in all these different little things that say you should know better. Well, so what? Yep. It doesn't matter. What are you going to do right now? And if you had a choice to be happy, would you be happy? The answer is yes. And the answer is, yes, you have that choice every single moment. And it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks or says. And that's a hard one because we put so much into authority figures, teachers, parents, friends, people we respect, partners. I mean, on and on and on. The list goes on. And it doesn't matter. And so I was saying to a good friend of mine who absolutely loves your book, by the way. Thank you. I said, what if a talking cat? came along and said, Pat, you're looking kind of fat today, brother. Well, first of all, you'd think cats can't talk. <laughs> I would like to meet that cat. Yeah. And second <laughs> of all, you'd think, well, what the hell does that cat know? <laughs> and that applies to everybody on the planet. They're all just talking cats. Right. The only one that matters is you and your connection to yourself, your inner intelligence, your inner healing, and your connection to your God as you see it. Yeah, that's it. And you can have people in your life that you love and cherish, but they don't get a vote over your vote. Yeah. And that is one of the hardest lessons to struggle with. A lot of people are, are born to be people pleasers. And I don't know what the research would say about, you know, male versus female. I would have a hunch that girls are grow up a little bit more people pleasery maybe than boys. It's like wired into us to be good little girls. But we just want to make everyone happy all the time. And then as we get older, hopefully we learn, I, I know here at the age of 53, I am moving to a point of, you know what, as long as I'm nice and kind and mean well, and living my life from a place of positivity, if someone else is upset with me because of the look on my face or whatever, it's not my fault, not my problem. I can only control what I do. And the intent, I feel like if I'm going through life with good intent, how people interpret whatever, that's not on me. Yeah. If you're coming from a place of love and kindness, whatever they're feeling and going through is just what they're feeling and going through. And it has no bearing on you. It may confuse you because it may be somebody that you love and respect. And you're like, well, what the heck was that? Right. But it just doesn't matter. And that's easier said than done. Getting to it the point of doesn't matter. Done. And you can know in your head it doesn't matter. And then you're still like going through. You're like, but, but, what, what? You know. <laughs> but that's where the Sedona method comes in or methods like that and releasing stuff because then it truly doesn't matter because you've let that go. All of your 53 years and my 61 years of all of this nonsense needs to be released. Otherwise, you're stuck with it. And your perspective as a woman saying that girls and women are people pleasers, well, it's the same for men. 
because we're taught we have to be a certain way. So we want to please people by being stronger, bigger. Right. It's just different roles. Responsible, doing all these things, being good at sports, being good at fixing things or whatever, and all these different things. We want to please people. We want them to see us and go, that's a man right there. That's I get a fella. It. I want to shake that man's hand. <laughs> yeah. It's just different expectations. That's a great way of putting it. It's a horrible girl voice, but that's the best I can do. That makes a lot of sense. I totally get it. So after going through all this, you've released it all. How has that changed how you're practicing intermittent fasting or eating? Well, I have been a lot easier on myself. And once I was in control of understanding that it's all good, then I don't have to adhere to anything incredibly rigid, which is why I don't weigh myself. For the sake of this, because people would want to know, I am down about 60 pounds. Okay. I'm so glad to hear that. And so I'm not going to weigh myself anymore because I'm just, honestly, folks, if you like doing it and it helps you, great. Otherwise, if you're intermittent fasting, there is literally no way you won't lose weight. There's literally no way that autophagy won't happen. There's literally no way that you won't get better numbers when you go to the doctor. There's literally no way that this won't help you. It will help you in some way or another. Even if weight loss is elusive, it is helping you. There's no way it's not doing positive things in your body. Exactly. Like if you walk 20 minutes a day, there's no way that's not helping you. Exactly. A hundred percent. doing good things for yourself, if you're getting enough sleep, there's no way that that's not helping you. Yes. And that is so powerful to always remember because I've said this analogy before. It's like we brush our teeth probably most of us twice a day. I brush mine when I wake up. I brush my teeth before I go to bed. And maybe sometimes in the middle of the day if something feels weird in there, but usually twice a day. And let's imagine I went to the dentist and he said, oh, you've got a cavity. Well, I wouldn't say, well, that teeth brushing just wasn't working. I'm never going to do that again. Right. And, you know, the same with intermittent fasting. You know, intermittent fasting is a healthy thing to do, just like brushing your teeth is a healthy thing to do. You know, maybe you're not seeing the weight loss as fast as you wanted. Maybe your A1C isn't down as fast as you thought it should be. Maybe your skin is wrinklier now that you've lost weight. But you wouldn't stop intermittent fasting, just like you wouldn't stop brushing your teeth or trying to get a good night's sleep or moving your body. That's really the way I look at intermittent fasting now. It's not something I'm just doing for a purpose. It's I'm just doing it like I sleep. Yeah, it's second nature. It is what you do. It is part of what you are. And once you are able to, through whatever method works for you, release the negativity involved in everything from your body image to food, to what type of food, to weight, to numbers, to just list all the things that make you crazy, which is something you can release upon. You can release upon the anxiety of that. Mm -hmm. You know, could you let go just for now, the anxiety around intermittent fasting and having to control every aspect of it? Could you? Yep. That's a powerful question. Would you let go of that control and that obsession and that insanity-making behavior? Would you? And if you would, when? Wow. That is a really powerful technique. Now that we have the small community that's off of Facebook, I mean, it's, it's still big. We have, a, you know, 5,000-something members, I think, right now. But 
people have to come there. So it's not as active as a Facebook group would be. It's still very active daily, but I'm more close to the people, like more close to the members because it's a smaller, more private place. And there are a lot of people who struggle. When we had the Facebook groups, I'm not sure I realized exactly how many people really are struggling. And, you know, those are the people we hear from, of course, in the groups. We hear from people who are wildly successful. They're sharing. And we also hear from the people who are having a really hard time because they are likely to share. But there are a lot of people that really struggle with making intermittent fasting into a lifestyle. Right. And that really is what I would like to help people do. And I remember, I don't know who it was that said it. I mean, it could have been you. I don't know. (laughs) Somebody back in the Facebook group said, fast, clean, and release expectations. Right. It might have been someone named Eddie. Do you remember Eddie? Well, that's where the memory issues come in. Because, for instance, I remember faces of people but I don't remember the names. And these are people that were also moderators and people that I communicated with. And that's the thing that's very frustrating for me because I had such a great memory before, but the context that my cousin put it in, that connection to the frontal lobe right now, the frontal lobe's job is to jettison what's not important. When you were in fight or flight or in a situation that needs to get handled, excess wild debris is not important. Remembering the Chicago White Sox pitcher that pitched to blah, 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 blah in 1947. Not important right now. So it was like a trauma response. Your brain had a trauma response that just was like wiping clean parts of it. And that part is gone. Wow. Our brains are fascinating. And it's possible that my fixation on the past for me personally, oh, I loved it when I was a child. It was so great. And I lived the block away from my cousins and my grandparents. My whole family, both sides, was in a 30-mile radius. And it was just so much better at that time. And uh, we had these things that I played with. And it, it, you're missing out on everything that's right now mm-hmm. by feeling that. So once I let go of my attachment, it was an attraction. It's attachment to the past and my aversion to other things, once those were gone, all of a sudden I'm free and I'm here. I mean, take a walk and listen. My dad used to say, when you go for a walk, don't forget to look up, you know, because there's the sun, there's the birds, there's the trees, there's the stuff. If you're looking down, watching your feet or doing or counting steps or whatever it is you're doing or obsessing or thinking that you're missing everything that's around you. Yeah. And that's the whole point. So as intermittent fasting becomes part of what you are, you don't need to think about that anymore because you just do that. And when you're busy, at least for me, doing something, I'm not thinking about food or what to eat or when to eat or how much to eat or this or that. And then all of a sudden I look at my watch and I go, wow, my window was from three to seven and it's four o'clock down. I'm a little bit hungry. I might as well start making something. Okay, cool. But when you are not engaged in something, it's so much easier to obsess about anything and everything. You're exactly right. And the key is being productive and busy. Like if I sat around and thought about Is it time to open my window? Is it time to open my window? That would be miserable. Instead, I'm just like living and doing and it's not occupying any space in my mind. And sometimes I'll look at the clock. I might have a wave of hunger and I'll look at the clock. I'm like, all right, it's noon and it's not time to eat. And I just go about the day. The key is really keeping your mind from obsessing over should I, could I, would I eat? 
And it's about obsessing over anything because what we're trying to impart to people is you're not trying to remove from your mind any thought of food and the process of eating. That's not the point we're making. The point is if your mind is idle, it will get busy and it won't get busy doing something productive. That's true. That is very, you know, it's very true. It's going to get busy at obsessing, and it's going to get busy at tearing you down, and it's going to go and join forces with all the voices of all the years of your life telling you that you're fat, you're unattractive, your nose is too big, you don't ride a bike well, you throw like a girl, even though you're a girl, you're a girl, and you throw like a girl, <laughs> and, you know, and all of the things that people said that were horrible to you. None of it matters, because when it comes down to it, when we were talking about how we're more awful to ourselves than anyone else, the people that truly love you really do not care what you look like. As long as you're healthy, you could be 11 pounds or 1,100 pounds. And I know it's not healthy to be either. Right. Don't be 11 or 1,100 unless you're a baby. Or <laughs> Yeah. And so my family would never look at me and go, well, sorry we invited him over. He's uh, about 10 pounds bigger than I thought he was going to be. You know, I mean, they don't think about that. And so there's a lot of stuff that I've been reading about understanding how things work. And the difference between pain and suffering is one of them. Right. Because there is pain, which is physical. Right. And suffering, which is mental. That's so deep. Not, I never thought of that. It's not necessary. We'll use you as an example. You love to cook. So you have decided in the place of your beach house, you're going to have people over. So you're busily cooking in the kitchen and you're doing stuff and Chad's got people outside and they're all entertained. Everything's good. And then you whack your elbow and you're like, ah, woo, woo, that hurts. That hurts. So that's pain. But you still have a mission because you've got these people to feed and this has got to go in the oven and the bread is almost done and you've got to stir this stuff over here. So you don't necessarily ignore it, but you shake your arm a little bit and you continue. The pain isn't gone. It isn't cured, but you have chosen not to suffer. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's deep right there. Well, yeah, because people can have the tiniest injury and suffer tremendously. You know, pain doesn't have to be the end-all, be-all. Well, for instance, women give birth. And soon after giving birth, after all of the pain and the trauma and the difficulty and the discomfort, they go, you know what? I might do that again. I know. It's true. Yeah. Not tomorrow, but I, I'm going to, you know, this one's pretty cute. I'm going to do this again. Yeah. Let's make a plan. Let's make another one of these. There's a lot of pain in there. There's a lot of difficulty. There's a lot of going to the hospital, not going to the hospital. Did your water break? Did they, I mean, all the women who have children know what I'm talking about. We don't have to list all the things that you go through, but all of that is there. And yet you still go, you know what? Let's have another one of those. So you choose not to suffer and you choose not to remember the difficulties of all of that. You know, what you just said is huge and it's all mindset. And I talked about this in Fast Feast Repeat in the mindset chapter. The minute intermittent fasting became easy for me was the minute I stopped viewing the fast as a struggle. As something that I had to get through to get to my window. As soon as I switched that thinking and realized all the good things that were happening in my body, how great I felt when I was fasting, how easy it was to not eat. Like I've been running around like crazy today. I got up at five this morning. And I hadn't stopped since. And there's been zero suffering, no suffering in my day. But if you have the script in your head that fasting is suffering and that you can't have the creamy coffee that is the only thing that brings joy to your life or you can't have 
a bagel in the morning and that's the only thing that would bring you joy, you are suffering through the fast. And if you are suffering through the fast, that is a choice. Yes. Not everybody wants to hear that. Choosing to suffer through the fast is a choice. And the minute I decided the fast was not suffering or punishment or something I had to get to, get through, I mean, that was when it became an easy lifestyle. Exactly. And the same goes, you can extrapolate that to how you feel about your body. We all, I can't speak for everyone, many of us have a very skewed view of what we look like. I think probably we all do, honestly. Okay. Yeah, okay. I so think we you all could do. say all, literally yeah, all. So I have one of those type of belts where the belt slips in through the buckle on one side, goes over the top, and then you pull it through. Okay, so there's no holes in it. It's uh, one it of those web belt up. type deals. Yeah. yeah, cinches up. So when I was at my highest, I could get just a tiny bit through the other side. And now I can get, I don't know, that's like seven inches, eight inches. You're having to stick it through side. the belt loops and round it goes the all back. the way yeah. through to the belt loop. Yeah, that doesn't register. I still felt fat, unattractive, whatever. And my cousin said, what if what you look like right now is perfect for right now? Mm-hmm. And I went, wow, okay. And all of the things that are good about the progress I've made so far, I had to release the fear of the success. Because this is where I tripped up the entirety of my adult life since I've been heavy. You get to a certain point, your mind says something cruel and stupid, and you quit. Yeah. But with intermittent fasting, there isn't anything to quit because you're not counting this and measuring this and doing this and doing this thing and following this chart and this book and going to these meetings and all this other stuff, which is all fine if it helps you. But none of that is involved in this. It's simply picking a window and understanding that that works and understanding that it doesn't fit into the rigidness of all these other things we've tried in the past. So if your window was four hours, and then you're meeting with family on Saturday and your window is six hours. You haven't failed. You haven't set yourself back. You haven't tripped yourself up. You haven't made a mistake. You haven't done anything wrong. You don't have to not eat the next day or three days or whatever. It just is. Yeah, so true. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? or the friends you find along the way. Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. 
So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. And so, again, when you release these things, because all of those things are inherent in the trouble that we cause ourselves, the anxiety, the humiliation, the fear, the anger, the rage, the disappointment, the humiliation, just keep listing all the different types of emotions that have come up in your life based on your self-worth, your self-image, food, fasting, life, your relationships, release on stuff specifically. Well, it's the stories we tell ourselves, right? Yes. The stories we tell ourselves are so powerful. And Chad, bless his heart, he tells himself stories that are like, we'll be in a situation and he'll interpret it so differently than I do. And I'm like, that's just a story you're telling yourself. That is not what happened. It's so interesting (laughs) to have been in the same spot. Or I will say something and he will think I was saying one thing. I'm like, that is not at all what I was even thinking or where did you get that? You know, but it's a story he's telling himself that we interpret things through our own lens and that's what trips us up. Or if you have an agenda of some kind, you interpret it through that. I was having a conversation with someone. I don't like to discuss politics because it's not interesting to me because everyone has their view. And if you're an adult, you've probably come to that view by researching to whatever degree you have and being intelligent and deciding this is what I want to do. So the person says to me, who do you think is going to run? Is this person going to run in the next election? And I said, I don't know. Well, if that person doesn't run, who do you think would? And I said, well, this person. And they go, oh, well, that person's better. And I went, wait a minute. That's not even what we were talking about. You asked me if this person wasn't running, who would I think would run? And it has nothing to do with what I think or if they're better or if I think they're better. Or who you even like. Yeah, yeah. That's not even what we were saying. So that happens all the time. And we misunderstand what people say. Or if we have an agenda, we've already decided what direction they're going, which is what makes comedy so difficult now because you cannot take people on the journey that I used to be able to take them on in the 80s. I could do a long bit And they couldn't see where I was going with this. And then I would get them at the end and the laugh would be twice as big because, man, you got us. We did not see that coming. Now, if I start something and there's sarcasm involved, they think I'm serious and they know where I'm going with this and they're already upset and there's no reason in continuing because they've already ruined it for themselves. Just sit back, relax. Trust me, I'm a professional. I know what I'm doing. You're going to laugh. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I don't want to change anyone's mind. I'm not running for office. I'm telling jokes, and then I'm going to go lay down. It's true. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I can't even imagine trying to be a comedian. Now, was it Jerry Seinfeld? He said he can't go to college campuses anymore because he can't make any jokes. There's no jokes. Anyway. That's another thing. Humor. Have a sense of humor about intermittent fasting and yourself and whatever, because if you're joyous and happy and coming from a place of love, which is essentially what we all are at our core, we are all the same. We are all energy and everything else is energy. No one is better than you and you are no better than anyone else. So we're on an even field. And when you realize that, that's another thing that frees you up because you don't have to be worried about how you act in front of someone else because they're no better than you. Yep. That's profound right there. 
Well, and having been in the entertainment industry for so many years, decades, I can tell you of famous people that were so racked by self-loathing and ashamed of the fact that they thought they, I won't mention names because it's not my business to do so, but it's like these people are famous, they've got money, they're fantastic actors or wickedly funny, and they're just crushed by what they're doing to themselves. Don't do that. Let it go. You're an amazing creature. You are love. You are energy. And the other thing that I tell people is think of puppies and kittens and small children. They're happy almost all the time. If they get injured and it's bad, they're upset. But you have children. If they're running around and they fall down and they're not really hurt that bad, they get right back up brush off their knees and they head at it again. They bounce on up and there they go. Yeah. And children are all in. When they're loving on you, they are hugging your neck and they're kissing the side of your face and their mommy this and daddy that and all of that. Or when they're playing a game, whether they're playing an organized game, like a board game, a card game or a sport, they're all in. They're just as in if they're making it up. Yeah. Okay. You be a lion. I'm going to be a monkey, and I mean, that is the best monkey you've ever seen because they are all in. They do not care what anyone else thinks. Right. They've decided they are a monkey that has a specific hat and wings, and it doesn't matter that you say monkeys don't have wings. Well, this one does. You know, and we trained that out of them in school. I studied creativity as part of my getting my doctorate in gifted education, and then I also was trained to score the Torrance Test of Creative Thinking, and so I went to trainings about that. So I learned a lot about creativity. And the research is pretty clear that they come to school, creative beings, and we train it out of them by about fourth grade. Yep. Because, you know, I'm sorry, we were not being creative. We're all two plus two is four, you know. <laughs> and so then they're afraid because they feel like they're, you know, going to make the wrong answer. And, and then they just become good citizens trying to be right and not wrong. And they squelch their creativity. And that is such a shame. Yeah, so get in touch with the depth of joy that is, along with love, the core energy that is within all of us. And whatever you feel like doing, whether it's something you used to do and you don't do anymore, and you, why don't I draw? Why don't I ride my bike? Why don't I this, that, or the other? Do it or do something new. There's no reason. It doesn't matter what age you are. If you go, you know what? I've always wanted the water paint. Get after it. Doesn't even matter if it's any good, you're doing it. Yeah. And if you're all in, you're having a blast water That's painting. That's exactly right. You might go, you know what? I'm going to use my fingers too. Why not? You don't have to just use brushes. If you're using acrylics, I'm a painter. You can use a palette knife. You can use your fingers. You can use a brush. You can slap it on there. You can spit it through a straw. You can do whatever you want <laughs> because it's your painting. Just be all in and have fun with it, with everything, with your life. That's really how I try to live my life, just enjoying the day, enjoying the moment and what is happening right now. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things that was so nice when we got to talking and got to know each other, your enthusiasm and your joy and your happiness. It's infectious, which is the well, nature of that. You know, because when people laugh, other people laugh or when a child gets the giggles. Well, energy is contagious. If yeah, someone is super is crabby, that is also contagious. It can be. Or you can say, you know what? You know, like when you're talking to a child, all right, Miss Krabby Pants, you go sit over there. Yeah. And you do that. When you want to come back to the family and you want to continue playing hearts with us, then you may come back over. Right. 
They don't have to be punished, but you can say, look, we're not doing that. You can if you want. Please go right ahead. And that's how I feel about everybody. And the tiniest little things every day can make a difference. When you smile at someone, watch their shoulders drop away from oh, their ears. Watch yep. their face change. Watch whatever. I've been saying good morning to neighbors early in the morning, and they're shocked because nobody talks to anybody around here because it's an apartment complex. But if you hold the door for someone, if you say, excuse me, sir, you drop this or that, or you help somebody with a shopping cart or anything, just do something decent and nice for no reason, it changes people. Well, it does. You know, I try to do that in all of my encounters. Like, you know, I'll just be walking along and I'll notice someone has a pretty bracelet and I'll be like, I love your bracelet. I mean, I'm not making fake compliments. No, I wouldn't do that. But like, if I see something, I will say it. Somebody helped me. We're moving things from this house to the beach condo tomorrow. The lady who set up our move, this is the most complicated move ever. We were making six stops on this move tomorrow. She was reading them all back to me. She got it just right. And I'm like, you are excellent at your job. I just wanted to tell you, it has been a pleasure to set this move up with you. And I mean, I could tell how excited she was to hear that, but I genuinely meant it because she was, she got all the details and she would, then she told me she'd been doing it for 11 years and she told me more about her story. But, you know, I just noticed that she was doing a good job and I told her and that was easy. It was easy to do. It's very easy to do. And when it's sincere, people understand that. Yeah, well, yeah, you don't want to be fake because if you're fake, you know, we've all seen that too. People giving you fake compliments. Don't do that. <laughs> but genuine. When you're dealing with customer service, mm -hmm. whatever is upsetting me was not caused by the person on the other end of the phone. They don't own the company. They didn't make the stuff. They didn't ship the stuff. They didn't pack the stuff. None of the stuff that got messed up was done by this poor person who's trying to make a living listening to assholes that are angry. Well, it was like when I was trying to do something with my cable service one time, or my internet, I can't remember, and I was, the, they were all down. All their computers were down at the place you call. And she was like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I, I'm like, okay, it's okay. It is all right. I will call back tomorrow. She's like, thank you. And I'm like, it's not your fault. You didn't do it. I mean, I was on hold for like freaking 45 minutes. I'm not kidding. And then finally I got through after being on hold for 45 minutes only to learn she couldn't help me because the computers were down. And I was nice because it wasn't her fault. She was probably telling somebody else who was yelling at her. And so, you know, we can just spread that joy the best we can and try to make people's lives better. And it makes our life better. That's the thing. It does. When you put out joy and positive energy, you get it back. It's like, I like to think of it as like your emotions are like you're looking in a mirror. And when you look in the mirror, the light reflects back what is there. And the same thing is true with your emotions and the way you go through life. It reflects back to you. Yes. And you draw to you what you put out. So if you're miserable, it is a self-fulfilling prophecy because your day will be filled with nothing but jerks and morons and idiots. Yeah. But if you're nice, that still exists, but you don't see it, which doesn't mean you're ignoring it. It means you have looked up. You see the sun and the clouds and the birds and the trees. You're not focused on that. You're not focusing on it. You know, as a school teacher, we're taught whatever you put your attention on is what you get more of. That's true in life. But as a school teacher, if someone's over there being a little brat in the corner, you tell Susie something she's doing right. And then a little, little kid in the corner is like, oh, I'm not doing right. You focus on what you want to see. Yes. And you'll see more of it. 
And the same goes to yourself and your intermittent fasting practice and everything. Focus on what's going right and what you're doing right, which is lots and lots of things. Yeah, there is so much success in what you're doing every day, which is what's important about Fast, Feast, and Repeat, because it has so much information there. It has so much experience from yourself and from other people, and it has so much in there about the research. You can't help but see all the good that happens, and it's happening every single second. Autophagy does not stop. It continues to go. And just as things can spiral downward and become horrible, things and your health and your ability to fast in a fashion that isn't a struggle and isn't suffering exponentially increases when you're happy and you're focused and you're doing it. That's fabulous. Well, John, we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? Well, what I would say to people when they're first starting is this is absolutely unlike anything else you've ever heard of or tried. As we said earlier, there is no way to fail at this because if you do something, then stop doing it. Well, you're not failing at it because you're not doing it. <laughs> right? That's a good point. So if you stop intermittent fasting, you're not failing at fasting. You're just not fasting. I was going to say the the only way to fail would be to quit, but you're right because you're no longer doing it. So you're, so not, you're not failing, failing or it, succeeding. You're just, you're just it. it's a good way of thinking about it. You know, yeah. if I leave the baseball diamond, I'm not playing baseball. I'm not striking out because I'm not playing baseball. Right, right. So when you're doing it, understand that it is simple but not easy. And the reason it's not easy is because all the nonsense we've accumulated over time from what we've heard and what we've read and what we've been told and trends and fashion and things and stuff that have told us about our body image and ourselves and what to eat and what not to eat. Well, you should eat butter. No, you can't eat butter. And you should eat this and then salt and sugar. Hey, man, just focus, be happy, be loving, love yourself, be joyous, embrace it, read fast, feast and repeat Find yourself in our community, ask questions, celebrate. Even if something doesn't go the way you want to say, you know what, this happened and I'm okay with it and I feel magnificent this morning. I am on it and I'm so happy to have all of you people. God bless you and do it, just do it. And choose to not suffer. That's the big thing I'm taking away. Choose to not suffer. Yeah, choose happiness. Well, John... It has been a joy to talk to you today, and thank you for sharing your update. My pleasure. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com, and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. 
Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. I feel like I was blindsided. Because it's a competition show. From the producers of Jury Duty and The Bachelor. We have scoured the earth for the 14 greatest reality contestants that were available during our production window. Comes a reality competition show about reality competition shows. Nobody has dared to find out who is the actual best at just being on a reality show. I'm your host, comedian Daniel Tosh. Is winner go home. Each episode, our contestants will face new challenges that will test their strength and lack of life skills for a chance to win two hundred million dollars. $200,000. Prepare, because it's about to be ugly crying. Lots of fighting. Tasha, I have to defend myself. Celebrating 25 years of reality TV with your favorites. I have diarrhea. You cannot do this to me. What in gay hell have I got myself into? The Goat, premiering on Freebie and Prime Video on May 9th. 